Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, March 8th, 2022. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Broadway star's Jennifer McHugh. Jen, welcome back to Today on Broadway. It's nice, you know, we got out of the habit of recording a podcast together every other week for a year or two, or maybe even two and a half, three years. Uh, but now that we're doing This Week on Theater, it's nice to be doing pods with you on a fairly regular basis. I'm glad you were able to pinch hit Today on Today on Broadway. Well, um, I guess we all have to get used to a designated hitter now. A little sports reference for the theater people out there. Yeah, that and no shifts, uh, larger bags, and a pitch no clock. Shifts? Yeah. yeah. How do you Yay, feel about baseball. the no shifts? How do you feel about the no shifts thing? I'm, I'm interested to see that. Uh, it'll it'll definitely get some more runs on the board. Not for my Mets, but you know, for other teams. Yeah, as a as a former baseball and softball coach, like I dislike the fact that we're saying the hitters are basically giving up on taking advantage of what the defense is giving them. But as a fan, the shift sucks. So I, I'm torn, but if it increases offense and gets more people to watch, I guess I'm okay with it. Anyway, um, we will be having an episode of our original podcast, Some Like It Pop, coming up ahead of the Oscars. If you want to hear that, I, I'm not sure if it'll be Patreon only, but it'll certainly only be available in Patreon first. Head over to patreon.com slash Radio And Jen, we are bringing back our old favorite awards show format, our wish, wants, and wills. We will make predictions on every single Oscars category, and we'll get into depth on... Uh, on a lot of the bigger ones, but we will tell you what we wish would happen in that category, what we want to happen in that category, and what we think will happen in every category. So should be a good time. I've got a lot of cramming to do because I'm behind on some of these Oscar movies. And I have a lot to say about them. As always. All right, Jen, let's start with the biggest news story of today and one that we've actually discussed here on Today on Broadway before. And that is that like legitimate Oscar level A-list movie star Daniel Radcliffe will officially be playing Charlie Kringus in the New York Theater Workshop's long rumored production of Stephen Sondheim and George Firth's Merrily We Roll Along. When I first heard about the possibility of this production coming to uh, NYTW, it was with Laura Benanti and Raul Esparza as two of the three old friends at the center of the musical. Then online rumors started circulating about the time that Tick, Tick, Boom was released on Netflix that Radcliffe and Tony winner and two-time Oscar nominee Andrew Garfield would be the ones leading the production. I've since heard that Garfield is no longer in the mix, although that could change, I suppose. But it is official that the erstwhile Harry Potter is now on board. No other casting has been announced, but we do know that this will be directed by Maria Friedman and choreographed by Tim Jackson, and that it will be a new version of the production of the show that Friedman originally helmed at the Menier Chocolate Factory in 2012, then in the West End the following year, and then in 2017 at the Huntington Theater in Boston. That production starred Damian Humbley as Charlie and Mark Umbers as Frank, the two men who played the two men at the center of the story at both Meunier and in the West End. But instead of Jenna Russell playing Mary as she did in the UK, Eden Espinosa played Mary in Boston. The West End run of that show was recorded and broadcast, so you might have been able to see it at some point, um, either in like a Fathom Events type of thing or streaming. Now, there's no official dates for the show announced as of yet, but I've been told by sources close to the production that it will hit the stage in November of this year. And assuming all goes well, the cast and company will make a quick move uptown to be part of the 2022-23 Broadway season. 
Now, since becoming an international superstar via the Harry Potter film franchise, Radcliffe has been on stages on both sides of the, the, uh, the Atlantic fairly regularly, having done Privacy, if you are a longtime Today on Broadway Listener, you will know that we had a long discussion about how to pronounce that uh, when the show came over from London. But having done Privacy at the Public Theater, he is returning off-Broadway, having also done Equus, The Cripple of Inishman, The Lifespan of a Fact, and How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying on Broadway. Now, Jen, I am always going to have a little bit of a reservation when I hear about non-singers, and especially non-musical theater singers, doing Sondheim shows. But... Throughout his stage career, especially with How to Succeed, Radcliffe has proven that he takes his work very seriously and he works his butt off on the, uh, you know, to make sure that he's honoring the material, whatever it is. And we saw how good Jake Gyllenhaal, somebody who is a major movie star and I had no idea he could sing, um, we saw how good he was in Sunday in the Park with George. So while I have some reservations because of the unique challenges that a Sondheim score presents, I have already started calling in favors to make sure that I can get a ticket or two to see this production later in the year because I feel pretty confident that Daniel's going to do at least a really solid job as Charlie. Well, this isn't exactly my wheelhouse being Sondheim, but we also have to mention that he is also going to be Weird Al in the forthcoming Mm -hmm. motion picture. Yeah. Um, And whatever you may think about Weird Al, you cannot deny the the musicianship there. And I'm sure Mr. Radcliffe is pouring himself into that role as well. So I don't think we have anything to worry about with with him stepping into this. No. And like I said, he's always worked very hard on all of this. If I remember all of the stories about his vocal lessons and dancing lessons for how to succeed. And uh, I'm sure he will do the same thing to get ready for this score. I'm sure he's probably already working on it. And, you know, it's interesting because we know the story of how much of a flop this was uh, on Broadway. Hell, there's a whole documentary that's on Netflix, I think, leaving later this month um, about it. But if you put Daniel Radcliffe in and Merrily We Roll Along, whether that's at New York Theater Workshop or on Broadway, I can guarantee you that it will not be a flop in terms of the box office. This will sell very well, which is another reason why I'm making sure that I can get uh, set up with some tickets as early as humanly possible. Will that be your sixth or eighth trip to New York when the one you're planning? Well, the one for that will be at least the fourth uh, because I'm going later this week for my second in May for my third. Um, I believe I'm doing one in July. That depends on James Marino. Um, then I probably won't go again until November cause I, I try to avoid the summer in New York, but, um, yeah, so it would probably, it'll at least be my fourth, maybe my fifth of the year. Remarkable. Yeah. Something. All right. Also remarkable, Jen, in a very different sort of star casting news. Yesterday, the Weislers announced that from April 12th through June 4th, Pamela Anderson, yes, that Pamela Anderson, will be playing the role of Roxy Hart in Chicago on Broadway. In terms of her acting career, Anderson is best known for the TV show Baywatch and perhaps her film Barbed Wire. But she has been in the news most recently as the subject of the highly publicized Hulu limited series Pam and Tommy which dramatizes the harrowing experience that she suffered in 1995, in which a sex tape of her and then-husband Tommy Lee was released to the public. Anderson has since announced a documentary coming to Netflix entitled Not a Victim, But a Survivor and Alive to Tell the Real Story. 
In a statement, Anderson said, quote, I have always been a huge fan of Bob Fosse's and Gwen Verdon's work and ranking, too. Playing Roxy Hart is a dream fulfilled. Performing Fosse, you don't have time to get in your head. You can't dance, sing, and think at the same time. There is a freedom, a unique joy in knowing it's all about the work. Playing Roxy Hart is a sweet escape for me. Now, Jen, I have less than zero idea if Anderson can sing, dance, or for that matter, act, although I have my presuppositions on all three of those things. But I am 100% in favor of her capitalizing on this moment and turning her further exploitation from that Hulu series into whatever major opportunities she can find herself in at this point. Yeah, I agree. I know nothing. I mean, the fact that she knows who Bob Fosse is and his work is encouraging because a lot of people don't. <laughs> but I really don't know um, what her experience is with dancing and singing. Um, it'll be interesting. I mean, it's certainly going to get headlines and maybe some butts in the seats. So good for her. You know, this this is her story and she deserves to make the money off of it. Not everybody else. Yeah, I have a lot of bad feelings about what Hulu did with that series uh, and not involving her at all. I think that is uh, an absolutely horrible thing for them to have done to not try to bring her into that process. But what can you do? And I I said this in our uh, Today on Broadway group chat, um, but when Chicago is stunt casting with people who have no discernible musical theater talent, you know that things are getting back to normal on Broadway. And so here we are. If it's not a uh, real housewife of some city, uh, having Pamela Anderson in there uh, certainly fits the bill. But I I wouldn't say I'm excited about this, but uh, I look, if this is a dream of hers, good for her to get this opportunity after all the crap that she's been put through recently. Would you see it? No. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, look, if people were okay. paying, if people were paying me to see it, sure. Um, the last time I saw Chicago was in Atlanta and it was the national tour and starring as Billy Flynn was Jerry Springer. That I feel like, again, Chicago casting people with no discernible musical theater talent. Um, we've been there, done that with with Chicago for years. And, and uh, Jerry went quickly from that tour to Broadway. I've also interviewed the great uh, Ohio State and NFL legend Eddie George, who played Billy Flynn on Broadway as well. Again, he actually does a ton of classical theater in Tennessee, but not musical theater. Um, He played Billy Flynn on Broadway too. So whatever. It's Chicago. What do you expect? Okay, then. (laughs) All right, Jen, let's continue with casting news as more than two years after former Waltons and the Americans star Emmy winner Richard Thomas was initially announced to be playing Atticus Finch in the national tour of Aaron Sorkin's To Kill a Mockingbird. The rest of the company was announced on Monday, and it includes Mary Batum, who played Scout opposite Gregory Peck's Atticus in the 1962 film adaptation of Mockingbird. Batum will play Mrs. Dubois on the tour, the angry next-door neighbor. Uh, as for her old role, So You Think You Can Dance, Fiddler on the Roof, and Hello, Dolly star Melanie Moore will be playing Scout. Jacqueline Williams will be Calpurnia. Justin Mark will play uh, Jim Finch. Yegel T. Welch will be Tom Robinson. 
and Stephen Lee Johnson will play Dill Harris. The tour will begin performances on March 27th at Shea's Performing Arts Center in Buffalo. And Jen, the first two stories in our show today show the wild, varying types of star casting that we can get in the theater. But this is the kind of casting and star casting that I can 100% get behind. This is the one that's coming to L.A.? Yeah. Yep. It is heading out on tour and uh, it'll be in L.A., I'm sure, for a fairly extended sit down, I would guess. That's interesting. Um, Yeah, that's pretty cool. I know you love Melanie Moore. Anything you think you can dance related? Yeah, I do love Melanie Moore. Um, Good Marietta, Georgia. Uh, I I think Marietta. I think her dance studio was in Marietta, but that's where uh, I was living in in that area um, when she was on the show. So. Uh, so yeah, I do love that. And obviously, how can you not love Richard Thomas? I know you and I both love the show The Americans that he was on for, uh, what, five seasons, six seasons was that show on the air? Yes, but it also shows the age gap that that's what you think of when you think of Richard Thomas. And I'm like, of course I love Richard Thomas. He's a junk boy. Yeah, I mentioned the Waltons as well. I, okay, I, didn't I know, but, there, but it's just funny that... <laughs> But your 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 go to is the Americans, and I'm like, but it's John Boy. <laughs> That's fair. I'm old. You're old. <laughs> you're, you're not that much older than I am. But uh, there is a there is a generate there is a generational ish gap between us. But anyway, um, let's talk about some other news. Yesterday, the innovative and inventive off Broadway theater company Bedlam announced their tenth anniversary season. Known for their highly theatrical adaptations of literary and dramatic classics, the season will begin this spring with a series of new play readings from April 29th through May 1st. The Do More colon New Plays series will feature Sparks Fly Upwards by Eleanor Burgess. Love I All Do Further by A.K. Payne. There are no capital letters in either the playwright's name or the title there, so as it sounds a little awkward, you have to see it in the writing. That'll also feature Dennis by Zach Fine, Mother Says She's Shocked by Emily Breeze, and The Good John Proctor by Talene Monahan. Then on September 29th, they will get into their more traditional season with William Shakespeare's The Winter's Tale and Henrik Ibsen's Hedda Gabler running in rep. The latter will be adapted by playwright John Robin Bates. These shows will run together through November 20th. I saw them do The Crucible a few years ago. They've done a number of adaptations of of Jane Austen shows as well, and they are always super interesting and super fascinating on how they do them. So very much looking forward to those shows in rep later this year. Next, out on your side of the country, Jen, the La Jolla Playhouse announced the addition of two new shows to their 2022-23 season. First, a musical that was supposed to open in 2021 at Chicago's Goodman Theater, but has since been moved to La Jolla, the world premiere of Pulitzer Prize finalist Adam Rapp's musical adaptation of S.E. Hinton's book and Francis Ford Coppola's subsequent film, the Outsiders. The musical will run in February or March of next year under the direction of Danya Tamor. Rap wrote the book, and the music and lyrics are by Jamestown Revival and Tony winner Justine Levine. Then La Jolla's artistic director Christopher Ashley will co-direct a reimagined gender-fluid production of Shakespeare's As You Like It. All of these shows will join the previously announced productions of Limpica. Here there are Blueberries, Fandango for Butterflies, and Coyotes and Mother Russia. Jen, this is, I know La Jolla is not like 
across town from you. It's a bit of a ways, but this is a really, really interesting season. And I would imagine, given, again, our gen- separate generations, I would imagine that you were, I know, maybe not a huge fan, but you were certainly uh, of movie-watching age when The Outsiders was uh, originally released. I was not a huge fan. I was um, the biggest fan ever of The Outsiders. I, I think it was a sexual awakening when Rob Lowe stepped out in a towel. Okay. In that movie. And I I absolutely love this movie to the point of where I'm a little precious about it. So I'm wondering totally how it's going to be. But yes, La Jolla is about two and a half hour drive, uh, you know, depending on traffic. But I've, I told you in my resolutions earlier this year that I really wanted to get down there and see some stuff. So they've put out some real hits and some real knots. Yeah. So I'm here's hoping I, yeah. I would, I would love to go see that. Yeah. Yeah. This one isn't coming until next year, but I will tell you Limpica um, very much, uh, you know, might be something that you want to check out uh, later this year, because I think that very well could be a future Tony winner as well. Also the name Adam Rapp always trips me up because it's like an amalgamation of Adam Pascal and Anthony Rapp. Yeah, I mean, uh, Anthony Rapp is his brother, um, so that makes sense. Uh, but oh, yeah, well, yeah, there you go. There yeah. you go. Combining the two original uh, Rent stars is very confusing there. But um, I also want to mention, I'm not going to go into a lot of the details about this story because uh, we're running late on time. But in the New York Times on Monday, Julia Jacobs published an article about the Flea Theater trying to reinvent itself uh, coming back after the pandemic. Um, the flea has been one of those super experimental, uh, low budget off Broadway theaters or off, off Broadway theaters, really that does experimental work and really interesting stuff. But during the pandemic, a number of people who have worked with the flea published a letter detailing experiences, pointing out elitist racist and to quote them, soul crushing encounters and attitudes from the flea. The flea has tried to, um, Uh, address these things. And in one of the ways they are doing that, they have uh, started funding a kind of a spinoff group that is still under the Flea's, uh, you know, budget and works on their stage, but is a separate um, organization called the Fled Collective, which is an interesting punny title, I suppose. Um, But the Fled Collective has announced some uh, upcoming programming. So if you want to hear all about the very tenuous and interesting way that this is happening, uh, we will have a link in the show notes, but um, I'm very much interested on how this goes to see if an off-Broadway company who has dealt with, um, you know, a, a, a lot of issues of uh, people claiming some abuse and exploitation, if they can figure out a way to navigate those waters uh, positively moving forward. But. All right, Jen, um, let's wrap up the show. You have a recommendation that does have a slightly theater, uh, a couple actual theater connections here that you wanted to share with everybody uh, before we head off uh, into the rest of the day. This past weekend was the Independent Spirit Awards here in Santa Monica. I'm sure everyone knows, but this takes a look at more look at independent films as opposed to the big studio productions. And the hosts were Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally, who we all adore. And they have a funny bit with um, where they bring in a backup host and that is Sarah Silverman. And she um, has a lot to say about their choice of jokes and how they have to be super careful in 2022 about what they say. So it's a cute little viral clip and it will be in the show notes, I assume. 
And mm-hmm. it's just, you know, something to make you smile. Yeah. That's what we're here for. Did, what did you think about the winners at the Independent Spirit Awards? They really liked The Lost Daughter, which yeah. I liked too. I didn't get that much, but I liked it. You liked it more and, than I did, um, yeah. I did. I did. But I uh, have a feeling the Oscars are going to disappoint me, so I will take it as a W. Yeah. Although the SAG Awards gave me hope. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens with CODA. I uh, that, I think that has a real shot to upset Power of the Dog, which I know you did not like very much. I have not seen that one yet. But uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, the sister of the aforementioned Jake Gyllenhaal, won um, a number of awards for The Lost Daughter, including uh, Best Director. It also won Best Picture. Um And uh, she also won Best Screenplay as well. So good for her racking up all those Independent Spirit Awards. All right, that's all that we have for today. Thank you for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. Jen, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at EponineQ. And I've also started writing on Medium, which is also at EponineQ. I didn't know that. Yes, it's a new project. (laughs) All right, fun. I love it. Well, uh, we will link to that in the show notes as well then. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. And James and I will be back to talk to you tomorrow with a very, very special episode, Six Years in the Making.